recorded live. Hello, this is William Fink of Christagenia.org. Today is Saturday, December 14th, 2013. Once again, following suit from last night, I thought I would have an open call-in program marking five years of my, my, my five years of Internet radio, and I thought it was a good idea to have a weekend of open lines programs. Last night, and this is no exaggeration, we had about 80 listeners between TalkShoe and the Christogenia streams. Uh, I mean, TalkShoe is not where Christogenia is. We have four of our own streaming radio servers and our own chat room on the website. You can only um, enter that chat room if you're a registered member and, and approved member of the website. So, so keep that in mind for, um, well, well, for future possibility. Sometimes, because of the amount of troll registrations I get, I have the registration at the website shut off, and I think it is right now. So in, in those events, if, if you can't find it at the bottom of the lower left menu, that, then you'll have to drop me an email and ask for registration. Uh, I get dozens and sometimes hundreds of, of troll requests of, of um, spammers attempting to sign up to all of my websites, to the forum. That's why the forum is registration only now, because I was getting hundreds of spam registrations daily and, and couldn't keep up with it. it it's incredible. And, and the Jews and our adversaries, and, and, and the bastards who want to um, cheapen and destroy everything with, with garbage handbag advertising and porno spam and pharma spam, well, well they, they're relentless. They never stop. The only thing that, um, that will stop them it is their ultimate destiny in a lake of fire. Well, last night we had three callers out of 80 listeners and, and one persistent troll. The program last night's already had a, all, almost 200 downloads, or, or, or at least 200 times it's been a, over 200 times it's been accessed. And, and um, I, I wish I could get people to download a Bible study that quickly. Uh, some of them do quite well, but, but um, to get 200 downloads the first day is pretty decent. I pray that tonight goes a little better, and, and, and last night we had a few sincere callers, and, and, and I pray tonight goes a little better. Uh, I've been thinking about starting an, uh, an open forum program again, at least on, on a, not a weekly basis, but, but on a regular basis. And, and um, after last night, I, that's, I, I don't know if I want to spend my time, to be honest with you. Uh, I'm always looking for... Um, for outlets to spread our message, and, and for outlets for um, brotherly Christian identity discourse that, that I think are going to be productive and, and, and a good way to spend our time, and, and I'm always seeking that. I talked about the Saxon Messenger magazine last night, and it's been a monthly issue since I started it three years ago. Sometimes the pace... It's a little difficult for me to keep up with. I have a lot of technical challenges, plus I, I produce two programs a week. It, it's, um, I, I don't know if I'm going to have 12 issues next year. One thing I wanted to mention last night that I really forgot to was that I'm also always looking for um, 
for, for relative and pertinent articles. And, and I would rather, uh, I, we don't like very religious material in the Saxon Messenger, but religious enough to get people to think about the Bible and Scripture and the race issue, and, and, and the Bible and Scripture in conjunction with social issues of the day, and we're always looking for articles of that type. I mean, often I write my own, but I just can't write all the time, and I can't write everything. I just can't. I realize that. I'm not the guy. That the um, I would anybody that has article submissions for the Saxon Messenger from a Christian identity viewpoint in relation to the social events and 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 world events, I'd be willing to consider them. And um, we would be happy to print any uh, material that we find that, that, that's worthy. And, and don't be upset if we don't find your material worthy. But I, I, I would, uh, I'd do my best to print any honest submissions that, that are informative and pertinent from the Christian identity community. So, so um, keep that in mind. A lot of times we go outside of Christian identity for relevant articles. We printed a lot of articles from... Um, People like Lasha Darkmoon, who, who does very good on, on social issues, especially those concerning the world Jewry and, and the treachery of the Jews. So we've reprinted a lot of her articles. I'm using her as an example. And um, we don't mind doing that as long as it helps our cause. So what we're um, open to article submissions if, if anybody in the Christian identity community would, would, would like to contribute. The last four weeks I've been dealing with attacks on, on primarily my number one radio stream, and I've already shut down several networks from accessing my servers. They're actually, um, somebody is using Amazon.com web services from their Asia Pacific branch um, or division to, to attack Christogenia servers, I, I could sit and take the time to, to write letters to Amazon.com and, and, and see if they'll actually do anything about it. I've done that before um, for, for, for various attacks on my servers, but it's a pain in the butt. So, so why I'm mentioning this here and now is because I found somebody from the Portland, Oregon area who was connected to two different streams five times. And I know that's not normal, and I bounced him off all four of my servers tonight, and his IP number is 66.87.113.169. And if that's your IP number from the Portland, Oregon area, well, you'll know why you got bounced, and, and well, you'll have to listen to these programs on TalkShoe, but you're not getting on any Christogenian servers, at, at least until I feel like taking your name out of my firewall software. That, that, your, your IP number out of my firewall. So that, that's just an example. Uh, I have to be a little aggressive in blocking people from my servers because of the attacks I've been getting. It, it's an ongoing thing. I'm always trying to get hacked, and, and I spend too many hours each week defending against that. It's a waste of my time, but it, it goes with the business, right? That, that's um, just the way it is. Okay, there's a, um, a, a little tiff, in, in, and we'll probably talk about this a little later. It, it seems like Rodney Martin, the, the, this great white nationalist leader who appeared virtually out of nowhere two years ago, it, it seems that he has a long career 
in working for American Indian Tribal Affairs bureaus, and and he's proud of his work in that area, even though he's I've never heard it mentioned in conjunction with his sudden epiphany is and 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 remanufacture as a, a a white nationalist. Uh, and, and one of these articles, and, and Carolyn Yeager had revealed this today, one of these articles states that Rodney Martin has an, a wife who's an Eastern Cherokee. Now, all the Eastern Cherokees I've ever seen look just like Mexican squat monsters. If this man's a race mixer, well, well we have to be aware of that, and, and he's certainly no white nationalist leader, that, that's for sure. Rodney Martin has, I think, if, if, if he pretends to be a white nationalist leader, he has to be asked some of the hard questions. Is he a race mixer? Does he, is he really proud of his work for, for Indian affairs on behalf of um, well, American Indian tribes for, um, for, for at least 15 years? The links are on carolynjaeger.net. To, to, to relevant articles, she posted them there this afternoon. That that's another um, uh, another black eye for, for for white nationalism because it, it's frauds are being exposed left and right. That that's the way it is, and and we have to keep our house clean. Tonight, I'm going to set the tone for this program. I pray. With my next Saxon Messenger editorial, this is actually a, a replay, basically, of a theme that I presented for a Christagenia Open Forum program on May 30th, 2011. It goes hand-in-hand hand with the article I read last night from, from the October Saxon Messenger. This will be the editorial for the November Saxon Messenger. It's short, so please bear with me. And and then perhaps I'll, I'll open the phone lines for whoever's online, and that includes my, my friend Sword Brethren. Who are the peacemakers? Often, one, one often quoted verse from, from the Sermon on the Mount stands out. It's not the only one, but this one stands out among those several Bible passages which are frequently abused by universalists. From the Gospel of Matthew, from chapter 5, from the King James Version, verse 9, real short, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. The pundits of the Judaized denominational sects often cite this passage while concluding that Christians should therefore be at peace with all of the peoples of the world, regardless of nation, sexual orientation, race, religion, or creed. Sadly, certain identity Christians would follow them. But what is a peacemaker? Is a peacemaker an appeaser or a placator of aliens idolaters, and sinners. Is that really what a peacemaker is? Is a peacemaker one who builds bridges, so to speak, with peoples who are outside of the covenants of God? Is that what Christ referred to when he gave us these words? 
examining the Word of God from the Old Testament, we are given a starkly different picture of what a peacemaker actually is. With all certainty, peacemakers in the Bible, in the biblical sense, are not the world's compromisers. They are not placators or appeasers. Rather, peacemakers, in the biblical sense, in the true Christian sense, are those who would uphold the word of God. As the author of the Proverbs said, he that winks with his eyes deceitfully procures griefs for man, but he that reproves boldly is a peacemaker. Proverbs 10.10 from the Septuagint. This supporting scripture. The Septuagint is the Bible that the apostles used. In Deuteronomy chapter 23, we see the following in part from verse 2. A bastard shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh, even to his tenth generation, which is really a euphemism, an analogy for, for an idiom for forever, even to his tenth generation shall he not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. An Ammonite or a Moabite shall not enter into the congregation of Yahweh. Even to their tenth generation shall they not enter into the congregation of Yahweh forever. Thou shalt not seek their peace nor their prosperity all thy days forever. And you might argue, well, that's Ammonites and Moabites. But in Deuteronomy chapter 29, we see an even stronger and more general admonition. From verse 16, For you know how we have dwelt in the land of Egypt, speaking about the Israelite exodus, and how, we came through the nations which ye passed by, and ye have seen their abominations and their idols, wood and stone, silver and gold, which were among them, lest there should be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away this day from Yahweh your God to go and serve the gods of these nations." And by caring for alien people, you're serving their gods. And, of course, the gods of the nations are idols. Lest there should be among you a root that beareth gall, race mixing, and wormwood, the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. And it come to pass, when he heareth the words of this curse, that he bless himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, though I walk in the imagination of my heart to add drunkenness to thirst. Yahweh will not spare him. But then the anger of Yahweh and his jealousy shall smoke against that man and all the curses that are written in his book shall lie upon him and Yahweh shall blot out his name from under heaven. With these two examples, we see that a man who pretends to be a peacemaker 
and who nevertheless respects those of the non-Christian Israel nations is deceiving himself and bringing upon himself the curses of an angry God. The God and Messiah of Israel, Yahshua Christ, came only but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel and all the promises and many explicit statements in the New Testament make it quite clear that the redemption and the promises which are in Christ are exclusive to the children of Israel. They only include the children of Israel and they exclude all others. The children of Israel can certainly be identified today in the Saxon, Celtic, and related nations of Europe. However, when aliens and when Judaized Christians, if we could call people who are Judaized Christians, they call themselves that, when they talk about God and Jesus, they do not refer to the God of the Bible nor to the Christ of the Gospel. They may think they do. But they cannot be referring to him because the ideas which they espouse are absolutely contrary to his word. Rather, the aliens and the Judaized Christians have formed their own God in their own image. And therefore, they also have created for themselves an idol. Therefore, a Negro or any other non-Israelite who claims to worship the God of the Bible is lying for the simple reason that by his pretending to be a Christian, his profession is contrary to the words of the God of the Bible. However, it is not the identity Christian's place to convince the alien of that because Christians must not take their pearls and throw them before swine. The word of God is only for the children of Israel, according to the word of God himself. For example, from Psalm 147, he shows his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. He has not dealt so with any nation. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye Yahweh. The aliens and the universalists have therefore created and are worshiping an idol. And when true Christians seek their peace, they are walking in the vain imaginations of their own hearts, adding drunkenness of mind to a thirst for understanding by respecting the idol of the aliens. For this reason, identity Christians cannot talk to those of other races about Jesus. Agreement with the alien is disagreement with Yahweh God, with he who is the real Jesus. He never agreed with them, and rather he would say of them, Get away from me. I never knew you. As in Amos chapter 3, 
we read that Yahweh said to Israel, you only, God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. He says so himself from the Revelation all the way back to the prophets and the Psalms. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. He punishes us with these other races. That's the story of Jeremiah 31 from verse 28. That's the story of Isaiah 56, verses 8, 9, 10. That's the story of the prophecy of Joel. He uses the other races to punish us, the non-whites, the beasts of the earth. In the very verse which follows, Yahweh asks the children of Israel, can two walk together except they be agreed? That the other races, that non-whites are so prominent among us, is a result of our sin. We should only treat them as our punishment and understand that as a punishment on our people. They're not to be converted. Christianity is not about the conciliation and the appeasement of aliens. Rather, the Apostle Paul quoted the prophet Isaiah where he said in his second epistle to the Corinthians in chapter 6, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith Yahweh, and touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith Yahweh, God Almighty. In our quotation of this passage here, we have struck the added word sing from the text. Since admittedly, the King James Version putting it in italics, it does not belong to the original. And since the reference is clearly to them in the prior admonishment, to come out from among them and touch not the unclean, meaning people and not things. Only the children of Israel were cleansed on the cross of Christ. From the Septuagint, from Proverbs chapter 3, from verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life and peace shall be added to thee. And again, from chapter 10 of Proverbs, he that winks with his eyes deceitfully procures grief for men. He that allows sins to occur and winks with his eyes deceitfully. But he that reproves boldly is a peacemaker. Proverbs chapter 3 is teaching us that we get peace by keeping the law of God. There we see that the man who reproves boldly, reproving his fellows according to the law of God, that man is the true peacemaker. The true peacemaker makes peace with God by obeying his law and by compelling his kinsmen to do the same. And when all men follow the law of God, all men shall have peace. When I say men, I mean Adamic men. Beasts are not men. 
Don't project that confusion into my words. Yahshua Christ could not have meant to refer to placators, to appeasers, and to compromisers in Matthew 5, 9. This is why we should... This is why we should chastise white nationalists that insist on having Negroes on their talk programs or who insist on printing the words or the articles or publishing the videos from Negroes and from other aliens. Christians are never to seek their peace, and they are never to respect their idols, because Yahweh, our God, does not know them. And because they can never accept the truth of his word, Christians are never to placate nor to seek the peace of aliens. Rather, Christians must obey the word of God indeed. Neither can men make peace for themselves from their own reasonings. Peace is one of the promises of obedience given to Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 28. When we obey the law of God, we are granted peace from God. We can't make peace with aliens on our own. We're violating his law. We will never have peace. The only way to produce real peace, the only way real peace is promised to the children of Israel is if indeed they would keep the commandments of Yahweh their God. Christians do not rationalize those commandments nor bargain them away. True peace for the people of God is when the other races and nations fear them. And that's the promise of Deuteronomy 28, that if we keep his commandments, that the other races and nations would fear us. Ten of you shall chase a thousand. From Luke chapter 2, honor to Yahweh in the heights and peace upon the earth among approved men. For all of those who are not of the seed of Israel, who shall never have his approval, there is only the lake of fire. And that's enough of that topic. I hope to both set the tone for tonight. And with the diatribe at the beginning of last night's program also, I'll call it a diatribe. I hope to answer some of my critics. But I would also hope to have some participation. Bill, hello. How are you? Hello, Brian. Uh, I'm going to um, uh, California. Let's take a call from California. California, hello. It's Brian from Southern California. Hello, Brian. I never call. I never call in. I never go on the forums. This is my first time. I um, the reason I was calling. I'm so fed up with this entire movement that. That's why I never get involved, as you well know, Bill, and to all the other listeners. Bill knows exactly who I am. Um, I want well, to point out say, to Brian, Let me say real quick that Brian was what was proofreading for Clifton M. Heiser before I was. 
Uh, yeah. And that was only for a short time, but um, I want to say, Bill, and I'll, you know, I'll take your response. You got other callers you want to get to. You know what I'm calling about. I just want to point out that to the idiots and assholes that are listening, that Christian identity wouldn't have the foothold that it does today if it weren't for Bill Fink and Clifton Emmeheiser. I am a proud Finkite. I wear that moniker with pride. And I don't really care what these other people who call in and act like as though they know what they're doing or talking about or who are trolls. It's frustrating to listen to that kind of shit. And, you know, all I want to point out to people is that if Bill wasn't involved right now, I don't think that we would have the number of people that we do. He's the only person who researches this to the degree that he does, and with the help of Brian, who I like as well, in Clifton, we, we wouldn't even be where we're at, which is, you know, not that far along on the trail. But I want to point out to people that why is it that you waste your time calling in or saying the things that you do if you have no real, if you're not in agreement with Bill or you don't think he knows what he's doing or you think he's a complete asshole or an idiot, why do you bother calling in? Why do you listen? That's a waste of your time and our time. And while I don't agree with Bill on 100% of everything, I do agree with him on 99% of everything. And I have nothing but respect for him. I'm a, back, a little bit of background on myself. I'm 15, no, I'm sorry, 17 years, two seed line hardcore, out in the land of fruits and nuts. So as you can all imagine, I'm by myself. But to end what I wanted to say, I just want people to understand that how important Bill is. And up until recently, I believed that Bertrand Compare was you know, the patriarch of our movement, so to speak. But Bill has passed him. And I have everything written by Bill. He knows it. Everything written by Clifton and everything written by uh, Bertrand Compare. And I can tell everybody listening that if it wasn't for Bill, we wouldn't, all of us would not be here. And with the help of Brian, of course. And uh, that's all I wanted to say, Bill. You know, I think you do a great job. And, you know, I don't want to kiss your ass too much because I always do that. But I have a lot of respect for you. You're one of my mentors, and I've been reading you since you first started for Clifton um, a long time ago. So may Yahweh bless you all and your undertakings. And um, to my brethren, uh, pay attention. This man knows what he's talking about. Have a good night, Bill. Well, thanks, Brian. That's too kind. All right. And I wanted to mention about peacemakers. I just wanted to briefly discuss Genesis 34. You know, Jacob wanted to be a peacemaker, and look what it got him. But, you know, Simeon and Levi, they took care of business. I mean, in that situation, being a peacemaker, if you're an appeaser, it might take the form of agreeing with the Canaanites and intermarrying. Well, well there's no doubt that, that, that the Bible portrays a picture where Jacob is, is um, timid about bellicosity with the Canaanites. There's no doubt. Right, but he, when they... He, he may have had more faith in God that God would keep his promises, and 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 that seems to be the case that that he would would have been more bellicose. But it, it's it it's also boils down to um to prudence, and and sometimes we simply can't make a move against the enemy uh, until the time when God wants us to, and once God wants us to, we can by no means fail. 
And that's the same position that we're in, in, in today at this very time. What we're in, Jacob, Jacob was outnumbered thousands to, to a few in the land of Canaan. And um, we're, we're basically in that same position again right now today, Brian, well, where we are outnumbered and, and even many of our own white people would stand side by side with Satan uh, against us. And, and yeah, you know, that's, that's the way I look at it. it it's, um, yes, the, the, the will of God and, and, and the testing of his promises and, 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 the, the faith that we know that we should or, or we hope to prevail with, with those promises, but there's also the, um, the, the, the tempting of faith and the necess- necessity to prudence and, and um, vengeance belongs to him. So, so Right, but if your yeah. only daughter has just been raped and defiled by the Canaanites and they're proposing intermarriage... I think the Simeon Levi solution is more valid than the sit on your hands and do nothing Jacob solution. I sort of understand what you're saying, but 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 I'm also trying to look at things from Jacob's viewpoint, what where he was only a few people, a, a right. few. Maybe this was a moment where he had lost faith or lost hope, or he thought, "How could God allow my daughter to be raped? Surely He's abandoned me, and you know we're we're going to be destroyed." Right, and he was afraid he was going to be destroyed. So that that's right, but sometimes it, you hey, just have to do the right thing, and if you're destroyed, you're destroyed. Well, well, right, but uh, Simeon also, um, in in the end, because of his rashness, he he lost all um, hope at any part of the birthright. Mm-hmm. Well, when 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 Reuben lost the birthright, and and it was distributed among the sons, Simeon was skipped over twice. Because Judah and Levi were both younger. So, so there, there's different ways to look at that. And, and we don't have a p- complete revelation in Scripture of, of that event. I mean, we only have a very um, brief account of, of what must have been a more, much more complex event. But, but the end result is that Simeon had no inheritance, no, no share of the birthright that Reuben gave up. The share of the birthright... When Reuben forfeited the birthright because of what he did to his father's concubine, his um, extra portions and the family priesthood and the scepter were all passed down to um, Joseph, Levi, even though Levi was a participant with Simeon and Judah. So but we don't have a very complete account. I understand that the book of Jasher embellishes on it, and it seems to make sense, some of the things said in the book of Jasher in that respect, and, and there may well be a core of truth there, but that there are also many other embellishments in the book of Jasher which are not valid. So that, that too, is a two-edged sword. I think we have other callers, and, and I'm going to pick up, um, oh, Unknown has been waiting the longest. Hello, Unknown. Hello. Okay, I will mute unknown and try to come back to him in a few minutes and maybe he'll be there. Central Pennsylvania, hello. Hello? Hello. Hello, this is William Fink. You're on. You're, you're online. And do you, do you have anything you'd like to contribute or say or ask? Um, 
Yes, I, I'd just like to thank you for your scholarship, and I'm mostly listening through the phone because TalkShoot won't work for me. Okay, I, I don't know why. I mean, I appreciate your your, um, your gratitude. It, it's We all do what we can. You can listen on Christogeny or on, on four streams on Christogeny or also on, on the main website, if, if that yeah. works for you. It should work better than TalkShoot, I hope. Okay. Yeah, you don't have to, you don't have to be a member of the Christogenia site in order to listen on the site. There's four radio streams. The the flash players in the upper left hand corner, they play reruns 24 seven unless I have a live program, and then they carry the live programs. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Praise Yahweh. Eastern Pennsylvania. Hello. Hey, Bill. It's Matt. Hello, Matt. I, I, I thought it might be you, but 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 uh, it it could have been somebody else too, right? Yeah. Not <laughs> not what's important, but hello. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Uh, actually, pretty good. Uh, just got the new coal stove going. Uh, that's kind of why it took me a while to, to call in. I haven't even had a, a chance to. Since I don't, ha- I still don't have the net here yet. I haven't even been able to uh, hear the call to, to know who's even on on the call at this point. Well, well, there have been a couple of callers. I, I mean, it, it's that they've been um, that, that there hasn't been a, a whole lot of questions, but there have been a couple of callers. It, it's you know, since I since my last open forum program, I probably done. 75 Bible studies, maybe, and, and I'm guessing, right, a year and a half, and, and um, 75 other programs related to Bible, biblical topics, or the history, the, 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 the uh, World War II programs I do with Brian, the, the, um, the Genesis 2 seed line. The, the Genesis, yes, I will take questions in chat tonight. The, the two seed line programs, right? And, and, and I would think that people would have some questions, maybe some points of contention. Maybe they'd want to bring up something that they think that we missed. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's, there's plenty of people listening and, and not, not so many participants. I, can't, I don't get it. I, maybe I shouldn't complain. I would like to get another hour and 20 minutes out of this program. I don't know how long you want to hear me run my mouth. Well, what can I say? Uh, we're, we're pretty much used to it, Bill, but you know what you're talking about, and most of us just need to shut up and listen. But then again, you know, there, there you go. That's what this open forum is about. It's uh you know, when, when people have specific questions, I mean, you're throwing out so much information and, you know, it's not like you're, you're shooting from the hip. You've done all the legwork and then some to prove that what you're discussing is completely true and factual. And, uh, I mean, you're covering a lot of bases. If people don't have any questions, then Either they know they need to continue to keep their mouth shut and keep their ears open, or they're getting everything and understanding it. Well, 
Well, well, I can't imagine that, that there's not some points of contention I, with, with all the crap I get from certain circles. <laughs> I can't imagine there's not some questions. All right. Well, then I'll tell you what. Let me let me throw this at you. This is something that I've been contemplating. I actually started writing something about it on the forum, but I haven't gotten back to it yet. And it's it's a it has to do with the the flood. Um, you know, I we agree on the majority of um, the situation with the flood. I myself, number one, I think that you're you are completely correct when you say that the flood was was localized. Um, I think that what they were discussing was localized. The story that was being portrayed is actually localized, that the flood was actually indeed worldwide, but not not as disastrous. And um, because our people were more centralized in location, since we really weren't that old at that point, um, I just, I think that uh, the oceans themselves are are actually the the result of the flood. Um, there was a lot of things, and obviously, you know, we we have certain our our contentions with with verbal vandal. But when he actually had his head on his shoulders, and uh, you know, didn't have his head so far up Dewey's butt, um, he he had a uh, um, one of the last things that he had had really looked into and, and written about was the idea that the the oceans themselves were like the residual of the the flood. And it and it kind of oh, go ahead, Bill. That 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 that's that that idea that the oceans are residual of the flood, that, that idea is kind of silly since the um the the earth was created from up out of the waters. That's how Genesis one is um, portrayed. The oceans existed first, and the land masses were, were formed from out of them. That that's the way I pictured the Genesis one creation. That's what I believe it's describing. That now did the flood cover a much wider area than than this little area in Mesopotamia? Well, of course it did. I, I mean, when we have a hurricane, what when um. Well, when, when, when New Orleans was nearly taken out, it's a shame it wasn't taken out. When New Orleans was nearly taken out a few years ago, I, I'm sorry, Germanicus, I apologize for that. It, it's <laughs> you're, you're, You live in a bad spot. Um, when New Orleans was nearly taken out 10 years ago, it, it rained in Philadelphia, right? It rained in New York. It, you know, it rained in Ohio. It, it, you know, but those areas weren't so adversely affected. That that's normal. I, I mean, it's normal to um, cataclysmic weather patterns that they affect the whole wide area, but but only one certain area gets most of the damage or the brunt of the the, the force of the storm, so to speak. Right? right. I'm sure a much wider area was affected by the flood, but life was only wiped out centered around the the homeland of of Noah and 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 the um, the Adamic race of the as it existed under those first patriarchs. Those people were wiped out. The Kenites 
must have been in an area that wasn't too far away and, and yet was relatively safe because they survived it. The Rephaim survived it. Many other peoples who we know existed before the Adamic race existed survived the flood. So, so they must have, yeah, sure, they may have been affected by some bad weather, but, but they, they weren't destroyed. Right. Well, see, I'm actually going to delve into some kind of, I, I guess, um, untested waters here, so to speak. Um, a couple years ago, one of our brothers had brought something to my attention, and I, I read the one thing that he presented on it, the, the aqueous ring theory. And, you know, I read what it was. That it, was sorry, it was a 14-page essay on it. And there was a lot of things that I was able to shoot down about this aqueous ring theory. But as, as I read and, and understand or try to understand a little bit more like um, the understanding of uh, the Garden of Eden, the understanding of after the flood, all of a sudden, you know, there were rainbows. Um, We all know what causes rainbows and all that. And the understanding that, you know, the, the people in Noah's time, you know, couldn't absolutely, could not understand the, the, you know, the possibility of a flood to occur, even though he warned them about it. Um, I think it's, in my opinion, from just what I've, I've read and some of these theories, and, um, and, and you have things like, uh, you know, tropical rainforests and, and tropical um, plants and, and flora and fauna that are, are uh, encased in ice and in the, in, the Arctic and, and various other things, cities but under the water. Yeah, 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 but we, we've already demonstrated many times that the planet has a very long history. That those other, uh, I understand that there are crustaceans and, and, and shellfish fossils which are found in the Andes Mountains, but you can't attribute that to the flood. Oh, you, no, you, no. What, actually, actually, right. You it, can't. It's you can't attribute the frozen mammoths of, of 13,000 B.C. or however old they're, they're estimated to be to the flood. I, I mean, that doesn't necessarily, one doesn't necessarily, one event doesn't necessarily have to be related to the other. It's very clear yeah. that this planet has a long history. And the revelation of God to Adamic man doesn't really include anything from before the foundation of Adamic man except these these few little poetic verses in Genesis chapter 1 describing the creation and the fact that we know from later utterances of, of, of Christ and, and the apostles that these fallen angels had to have fallen before Adamic man was created. That's all we know of pre-Adamic history. Anybody that pretends to know more than that from Scripture is kidding themselves. Right. I'm just trying no, to. I'm just trying to. What I'm, what I'm trying to place, though, is a is a, a possibility of a, uh, the idea that maybe rain did not even exist at that time because even during the creation, it didn't discuss rain. It talked about mist. Well, well, 
Okay, okay. Yeah, you know, the Bible is very um, oikumene-focused, right? Oikumene, I mean, the, the Adamic race and where they live, right, is the oikumene or, or the Adamic world, right? And, and mm-hmm. it does say, the Bible does say it has not yet rained upon the earth, right? The Bible says that explicitly. Well, well right. and, and, and that word earth can mean land. Okay, so it hasn't rained yet upon the land. That now we can't automatically assume that it didn't rain over the entire planet. You see what I mean? Right. Sure. That that it never rained over the entire planet. Now, no, because the, the the focus of the discussion and the descriptions and and the perspective of the creation story are all from the perspective of. of um, a man within the Adamic Oikumene, and and the revelation of God is limited to that. It doesn't explain a lot of things. Does the creation explain volcanoes? I mean, there's a lot of things in in the creation account that that are wanting. Now, it seems to me that there may well have been some sort of ecological change only for one reason, because after the flood, the lifespans of the patriarchs gradually shortened, and they shortened over several generations quite drastically. What where you right. have Abraham, what where you have like a a, a um and an Eber living several hundred, four hundred, five hundred years old, and Abraham only lived perhaps um two hundred and forty years, two hundred and seventy five. I forget the exact numbers. I think it was a hundred and seventy five years, right? Jacob yeah, only lived about one hundred and thirty years, right? And the 12 patriarchs, they only lived to about 110, 120 years. So, so the, the lifespan shortened drastically and, and between 3000 and 2000 BC, right? Where, where men were living 600 years and, and, and then they were only living 10, gener- 10 centuries later, that they were only living 130 years. And before the flood, they were living much longer than that, seven, eight, nine hundred years. So, so this seems to be an ecological change, but we can't say that that ecological change affected the entire planet. We don't know anything about the planet outside of the Adamic Oikumene and, and the last 7,000 years. You know, that, that's all we have. Uh, I mean, we can guess things through our science, but a lot of that is sophistry. Yeah. So, so, I don't like to. I, I I glossed over a lot of that. To me, it, it's the Bible proves that the flood was not worldwide in scope simply because of the existence of, of the Kenizzites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, who are unquestionably the children of the giants, and the Kenites, who were the descendants of Cain. And that's unquestionable also when you use Scripture as your authority. So. Well, I. I, well, that I completely agree with you the there. To, to me, that alone proves that the flood did not cover the whole world. It was not global, and that's all I need. And, and everything outside of the Adamic Oikumene and external to Scripture can be conjectured on, but I'll stay away from that. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think... That's why you know, I, I'm sorry to cut you off again, but that's why I call it pragmatic Genesis, because it's practical interpretation of Genesis according to the Scripture. Right, right. And, and you know, what I'm throwing out there uh, is it's not to deviate from, you know, the, the core understanding. It's just it's one of those, you know, little side details, so to speak, that, 
you know, may open uh, a few things up. But, you know, to me, um, with when I say that it may still have occurred worldwide, I'm saying not. it wouldn't necessarily have to be, um, you know, a, a cataclysmic event, just, just a, you know, the result, the, you know, a long-term result of that ecological change where the oceans rose as a result of all this, you know, water that probably or could have you know, come down worldwide, but affected that area that the, you know, of the story, obviously more drastically than it would have the rest of the world. Well, but it's that, very clear in the Genesis account that the oceans were here. That That's very clear in the Genesis account, I, I believe. Oh, yeah, and, and I believe they were too. I just, for whatever reason, I don't think they were that deep. And and just you know the plus when it when it talks about the when it separates the when it talks about the separating of the the you know the water from the earth and the I I, I don't have my Bible in front of me to to uh, quote it properly but it kind of well, the, well, the word it, 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 to me that describes perhaps the creation of continents it's talking about the primordial world. And the creation of continents. That that's not the the separating of the firmament. Right. But that's talking about the yeah. primordial world in Genesis chapter one, long before the flood. Right. Well, I mean I'm talking about the the waters above the earth and below the earth, however that was phrased. Well well right, right. but I mean we have aquifers all, all over the planet, right? Right. Giant aquifers. I, I mean, all of um, the southern half of New Jersey practically is an underwater aquifer. It, it's there. There are some giant aquifers in, on on this planet. I, I, I'm not a geologist, but I know that, that there's quite a few of them. Oh, no doubt. Well, it's the it's the um, when they talk about the waters above. That's what I mean, and I know we can probably say clouds or whatever but it just I don't know it just kind of well, well, I know that some people that there's a canopy theory and, and I don't like to get into that because to me it, it's not spelled out in language clearly enough for our understanding in scripture and, and right. some people ascribe this canopy theory to, to the fact that the, the, um, the patriarchs live much longer lifespans because they had less UV um, and, and radiation exposure from space. And that's all fine, but uh, I'm not going to get into that in my Genesis series because it can only be imagined by us. It's not the explicit word of God, and it's not important to an understanding of two seed line and the history of our race. Well, so, uh, so, and, so and, to and me, the, all, all those things are peripheral. They're all peripheral. Right. Well, that's kind of why I was throwing it out there. It's, I call it pragmatic genesis because it's my genesis interpretation, and with Brian's help, and he's been helpful, but it's my genesis interpretation according to the scripture. So, so right. it's without getting into all the, the, the bullshit-ass theories that get men into trouble time and time again. 
like Adam was what was an android. Adam was a um, <laughs> wait, 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 android. Really? I, I just pulled that out of thin air. I don't know. Adam, hey, it, it's the Anunnaki created Adam to mine gold in the sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, there's all kinds of harebrained theories out there, but we should stick to the Bible and and discard all the harebrained theories because they're not the the, the um they're, they're fantastic they mysticize that that the, they mysticize things that they entrance people into following that garbage and and most of it's just bullshit and, and well, we should yeah. stay away from right well you know and and to me the only reason that that um I felt it was worth looking into and, and reading up on was simply because it doesn't deviate from anything that that um, you know you teach and I understand. It just seemed to be um, it seemed to help explain a few of the things in Scripture that didn't seem to be obviously explained. And you know the possibility is out there. If there's, it just seems like if if there's an, enough witnesses somewhere somehow. But uh, I guess, you know, that's, to me, it's just worth looking into so that, you know, it can be determined whether or not I'm grasping it straw. Well, well, that's why, you know, I like to stay away from all that stuff because most of it's conjecture. And once you open up the Bible and, and biblical interpretation in one area to conjecture, people are going to start tearing holes in Scripture and pouring in horse manure in, in all areas. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. So, so that's important. why I, I keep all that out of my biblical interpretation. That's why. Right. Well, it's just, it, it seems that is the, that's like the only uh, theory, as it can still obviously be called a theory, that I felt was worth looking into. You know, but obviously there there isn't enough scriptural evidence to truly back it up. Um, it, it, it's there's just a lot of uh, secondary conjecture that can be pulled from it, I guess, to come up with that theory. Well, I didn't it, know. It's, it's fascinating, and there are answers that we want, and and, and there are things we beg to know, and I don't blame you for that, but. I'm not going to tell you anything that I can't pull out of an old book. Right. That's the way well, no doubt. Well, that's, that's kind of why I, I posed the question. I didn't know if there was anything that, you know, might, you know, that you had read or come across that, you know, might have even just pointed remotely in that direction, like there is still a, a possibility that there are witnesses out there. But, you know, if you really haven't come across any, then, you know, I don't think I'm really going to because just from the reading that I've done up on this aqueous ring slash canopy theory, uh, there, you know, it's all really conjecture. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's able to tie in a lot of things, but if, it, if it's not there to be verified through Scripture, then, then obviously it's not... Uh, well, well, like I said, things that are fascinating that, that seem to explain certain conditions, like the lifespans, but, but I'm going to stay away from it because I can't prove it. The, the, language, the, the, the language, the idioms 
Well, what the hell, that word that, that, that's translated firmament, that there's several words translated in, in peculiar ways in the King James Version of the Bible, and that's not all because the, the King James didn't understand a lot of those words, how they were being used. It's because none of us can really settle on how some of those words are being used. And they may have been um, technical terms that made sense when they were written, but we sure as hell don't know the exact meanings of them now. So, so right. we, we, you know, we could sit and argue about the meanings of the words and, and, and not be entirely certain about what's being referred to in some instances. So some of that language it is um, precludes our ability to understand the the um the words as they were written. Yeah, you know, I could open up some some things what we 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 can understand through good fortune, like the language in the Epic of Gilgamesh. I like to um to to point out demonstrates the meanings of some of the idioms in Genesis chapter three, and there's no doubt that it does that in 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 my mind or or in the minds of most of the rational people I've I've met. However, some of that technical language it is, um, it is difficult to understand as they've used it. And, and I, I'm not going to conjecture my, my um, Genesis interpretation. It's not going to happen. Right. So that's why, well, that was, that's why I stay away from that. Well, Bill, you're not going to claim you have truth from God and that you have some profound insight in the Genesis that only you can have? Well, well, right. That's clown territory, right? That, that's clown territory, and I try to, I try to avoid the three ring circus, right? All right. And I think you do a fairly good job. I'm very impressed with the quality of the work you've done. Well, thank you. I mean, I do what I can. Well, I, I, I just mean, try to feel. I try, I try to keep my biblical interpretation real. That's the way I look at it. Practical and and real and according to the scripture. And if it doesn't reconcile with the scripture, that then you have problems. Well, I mean, there are people out there that think they're popes and bishops, or they claim the whole world listens to me preach, you know, that they're full of themselves, but really, who do they have? Most of these people, you could count their followers and listeners on one or two hands. Right. Da Daniel 12, 1 in the forum, in, in the talk show forum, asked about my relationship with Mark Downing and his stance uh, on, on the devil's existence, and, and I think that um, Mark Downey, you know, the devil that he's been denying all, all of these years is basically the Catholic um, version of the, and, and, and a lot of Baptists, and, and, and even Don Spears, a, a Southern Baptist, um, tried to sit and convince me last summer on a program that Satan was still in heaven, right? That's the devil that Mark Downey has been denying. You mean the guy with horns and a tail and a pitchfork? Oh, exactly. That's the devil that Mark Downey has been denying all these years, and, and um, for the most part, and and he agrees with me that that the um, the, the bastard races. I, I believe I could confidently say that he agrees with me that the, the Jews is a collective unit, and and not only the Jews, but but. And and the Arabs are the brethren of the Jews. Don't doubt that. And the bastard races, they collectively are Satan. They are the devil. And while we may not agree on everything that 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 I um that that I purport concerning um, 
Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. We do agree on that. And, and that, that devil in the here and now, that's the one that all Christian identity should believe in. That's the one that we need to see. Absolutely. And, and once you understand the race, racial issue and, and that you're either a child of God or a child of the adversary or adversity or, or Satan collectively, and, and you can only be a child of God if you're a pure white Adamic person, and you can only be a child of, of the devil or Satan or the adversary or however you want to frame it, if you're a bastard or a non-white, and, and Mark and I agree on that, and that's the important matter that we should all agree on in Christian identity. And, and the frauds from, from Chicago, the damn Jew from Chicago that tries to blur those lines, everybody that tries to blur that racial distinction has an agenda, and they are scatterers. They are not gatherers. They are not Christians. They are not worthy of the name. So, so that's the important devil to recognize, and and I can say with confidence that that is the devil that Mark Downey would agree with me exists, and whether he calls him too self, too sea line or not is immaterial. He doesn't, and he still rejects the title, and I don't blame him for it. From his viewpoint. Because of the history and the long line of clowns that have espoused the title but, but haven't agreed with, with, with Clifton or I on, on, on any of the, the, the matters that are really crucial to our understanding. So, so it's the race matter. That, that's first. It, it's Christ and race and, and God and, and those things what we should all agree on. And if we don't, then those people aren't really Christian identity, and they're really not, that they sure as hell shouldn't be calling themselves 2C line or, or CI or, or anything of the like, that they're basically Jews. In, in heart or, or, or in genetics, it doesn't matter. Right. And, I mean, it's amazing to me how the, the racial lines are actually able to be blurred by certain people in certain groups. And, and they um, should never. Matt, Matt, there's a couple of callers on again. Let me take a call. Sure. Please. Straw man, hello. Hello? Straw man. Okay, he doesn't want to talk. California, once more. Hello? Hello. Yeah, this is North Bell. Hello. Hello, this is North Bell. Okay, hello, this is William Fink. Yeah, I know. I heard, I heard, I heard you did a, uh, this is a five-year uh, uh, broadcast show. I just wanted to say congratulations. That's a long haul. Well, thank you. I, I pray I could do five more. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a it's it's a heavy pace. Okay, that's all okay. I wanted to say. Thank you. That was kind of them. Okay, that's it for callers for now. I, I, I'm going to give Strawman one more time. Hello, Strawman. 
Hello. Okay, he does definitely not want to talk, but that's okay. Straw man, it, it, if I disturb you, I'm, I apologize, but this is a call-in program, and you are dialed in, so I, I have to um, give you the benefit of the doubt. All right, I think I'm going to head out. I'm a bit tired, so hope no trolls show up. Okay, Brian, yeah, thanks, for, thanks, for, thanks for your participation. Sure, and God bless you. Okay, this is the call-in program. I have Northeast New York saves the day. Not, 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 not that, you're, not that you're insignificant, Matt. Believe me, I'm just trying to get some calls. Hello, <laughs> is, this, is this Bill? Northeast, no, Northeast New York. Hello, Bill. Is that you? Yes, it is. Can you, can you hear me? Good, Bill. This yes. is David Burton. I've longed to talk to you over the last two and a half years. I think I've to everything. I possibly could. Uh, some things, when you come to the idea that Christians are, white people are really related to the people of the Bible directly, and to understand what that really means, the, ent- the entire Bible takes on an entirely different cast. It looks entirely different, it reads entirely different, it means entirely different. It's almost like, oh wow, you know, somebody finally acquainted you with something you thought you knew all your life and it's completely different and the view of the world changes completely as well so um, I would not be surprised for a lot of people to regard your work with some shock but quite frankly uh, what you are on to is unequivocally the truth and uh, that's about where I am with you right now and I'll uh, hang up and listen to the rest of your show. Well, well, I appreciate that. And, and you've sent me many emails, and, and believe me, I don't have time to answer them, but I've read them all, and, and I do appreciate them, and I do consider all the things that you've sent me. I try to be a very uh, uh, cogent when I speak as well as when I write. I'm 62 years old, grandfather, and legally blind, and uh, I try to get by as best I can. Well, well I'm, I'm sorry for- I'm looking forward to a Yahweh's new world, believe me. I am really looking forward to an entirely different world where uh, what we, we have no idea what Yahweh has in store for us to become. And I think that's the other message. Well, well that's, the, that's the explicit words uh, of the Apostle John in his first epistle. Yeah. Well, I, I really encourage you to continue to do what you're doing, Bill. It's it's extraordinary work. Thank you so much, and Yahweh bless you. Well, well, thank you, and may Yahweh bless you. And and if you let me know in a future email where you are in New York, I, I do visit there once in a while. I was just there two weeks ago, and and um, I, I don't know how far out of the way it might be, but maybe we could do something in the future. Thank you. All right, thank you. I don't know if he's ready for me or not. I'll try again. It's kind of noisy, Mike. Prosync. Hello? Mike? Better? Yeah, yep. that's better. Oh. Okay. How's <laughs> oh, well. uh, it going? I'm going to have you, General, too. He called in right after you did, and he's a good man. I don't want to let him hang there. Hello, Mike. How you doing? Hello, Gerald. How you doing? Hey, Bill. How are you? I uh, I won't uh, uh, interrupt too much of the program. I just 
was thinking about a lot of the things being said tonight, and I thought I'd just mention this to, to people. You know, uh, we're all concerned about waking up our brethren and kinsmen, and uh, because of uh, personal reasons, I've been attending a a Baptist church down here in Louisiana, and uh, by by the most part, they're they're just good Judeo Christian people. Uh, they don't know the message that we know. But I've had uh, some some success in talking to some of them uh, when we're discussing the Bible. Uh, of course, they don't know the real meaning of the, of the Bible like we do. But I, I've been telling them that if they want to understand more, they need to apply uh, what a, a good reporter uh, for a newspaper does, and that is to apply the uh, five W's, the what, where, when, who, and why. And, and if they will try to apply that to the various verses in, in the books of the Bible, they, they'll come to a whole new understanding, and it will open their eyes. In other words, they've got to know, uh, you know, who's talking, who they're talking to, why they're talking, when they're talking, where they're talking, and what's being said. And uh, I've had some of them come back to me and said, you know, they, of course they have to study. They have to get their concordance out, and they have to look things up, because uh, Baptists, along with a lot of the other uh, uh, religions, uh, want to take it word for word, and they allow, uh, they wait for uh, uh, God to tell them the meanings, and then whatever comes out of their mind, that's what they espouse and try to teach other people. And and so many times it has absolutely no reference to the real meaning of, of the scriptures at all. So, uh, but they've been applying that some and trying, and I'm having a certain amount of success doing that. I've actually gotten two people uh, uh, into the CI uh, thought uh, by doing this, and, and I just thought that was a, you know, we all want to do something. Uh, unfortunately, uh, so many of us say, well, I don't know what to do, and we wind up talking to each other, and, uh, you know, we need to, uh, of course, you do a fantastic job. I'm not going to give you accolades, because you've already had uh, enough of them tonight. Your head will be so big. But uh, I will say that you have done a great job, and uh, you wake up an awful lot of people. Your your websites are fantastic, and, uh, you know, you're a credit uh, uh, to the CI movement. But uh, uh, for, for those of us who are not as scholarly as you are, uh, we, you know, we do want to do something, and so many times we just sit back and do nothing because we, we don't know where to where to go and what to do. But that's something that I've tried to apply, and I'm having some success with it. And I just thought I'd throw that out to, to other people, and, and maybe uh, they'd like to give that a try too. That that's basically all I had to say. Well, good job, well, Joe. Uh, I'll uh, I'll hang up now and let uh, and let y'all. Uh, uh, finish the program. Thank you, Gerald. Uh-huh. God bless. Gerald's a good man. Mike, are you still there? Uh, I, I'm yeah. sorry about that. Uh, a a um, convergence of sudden callers. H- how you doing? Oh, pretty good. How did I miss the fact that this is a five-year anniversary show? I know we talked a couple times this week, and I had no idea. It's, it's seriously been five years, huh? Well, well I did my, my 
my first radio, internet radio program with Eli James five years ago yesterday. Wow. Time flies. Yeah, it does. That's awesome. I didn't even realize that. Those first six months, we had on average about six to eight people in the chat, maybe, for the first three months at least, before it started to grow. So, so don't let anybody be fooled by Eli James telling you that, that, that I used him to get popular or, or anything crazy like that. Because I remember those first talk shoot chats, and there were six to eight people in, in the chat <laughs> in January of 2009. That, that's no lie. Well, I, I think I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, we, I know we talk rankings all the time and how many visitors you got and such, but uh, that really does speak volumes to uh, that you've stayed on a very steady course. You you've stayed on the message with no compromise, which we all know how many people compromise out here. Um, and, and so I, I think that's I think a lot of people, whether they you know whether they're more vocal like Jerry. You know, just kind of stay quietly behind the scenes, or are, are very appreciative of that that you have been basically you know, pioneering this. And I say that not that you know that some of these other people in the past haven't done that, but that you've basically paved the way. CI has never been so uh, how do you put it? I don't want to say popular because it makes it sound bad. Uh, CI has. Never ubiquitous. ubiquitous. We have to become more ubiquitous. In other words, we we have to be out there in in the public eye and have them talking about us even when they hate us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we sure do got the haters out there, that's for sure. But yeah, congratulations. uh, Yeah, that's wow. Five years is. Well, we got many more to go. I don't know. I don't know when. Because I don't know anybody out here that can knock out content like you can. Uh, you 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 put my uh, years to shame in a week <laughs> just doing what you do. So, but uh, yeah, congratulations, man, and uh, can't wait to see you for a couple, yeah, maybe a couple more decades even. So, well, well, I pray anyway. Thank you, Mike, and, and I appreciate it. I, All right, God bless. God bless. Michael fourteen, hello. Michael fourteen. Bill, Michael from Reno. Michael, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I've been keeping in touch with you. I try to drop you a line at least twice a month. You know, on the first week and the second week. Well, well, I I appreciate it, Michael. I I really do, and 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 praise Yahweh every time I, I hear from you. Well, amen, amen. Hey, Bill, i got to run something by you. You know, you kind of opened my eyes on the pragmatic aspect, which is really good. I've been listening to your downloads and downloading them every week, and uh, even though I haven't been able to get in touch with you the last six, seven months. Um, but real quick, Bill, on uh, Genesis chapter 2, I believe it's verse 18 or verse 16, where it talks about Adam looking around, and he sees the beast of the field. When Adam looked, and he saw the beast of the field. By then, were those beasts of the field more than likely already mixed from the fallen the messengers when he recognized them possibly as hominids? In, in Genesis chapter 2, in, in which verse? I'm sorry. Verse either 16 
17, 18, or 19. It's when Adam was looking for a helpmate. And he noticed the beast of the field that God had formed. Well, well no. God, God brought before him all the beasts of, of the earth, right? And, and, and he couldn't, and, and Adam named them all. And um, Adam didn't find a suitable helpmate, right? Correct. And I didn't, I didn't dwell on it too much, but you know that story has to be there for a reason, and and the reason is obviously that that man is not to mate or cohabit with animals, as far as I'm concerned. But because God is presenting Adam with, with these beasts, these are. Um, with all certainty, the beasts that God created. It says God formed every beast of the field, which is a reference to the creation of animals and brought them to Adam, and Adam didn't find a suitable helpmate. And this is why I believe that story is there. Because the sin of the fallen angels was to mix their seed with every kind, as the Enoch literature tells us. Now, Genesis doesn't tell us that explicitly, but the book of Jude certainly does allude to, to, to the fornication of the fallen angels, and, and, and Jude quotes the Enoch literature. So if we look into that, if we look into what Jude's quoting, we find that the fallen angels, that their sin was the mixing of their seed with every kind. They were the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God is basically teaching Adam not to repeat the sin of the fallen angels, that your wife, your spouse, your mate has to be flesh of your flesh and bone of your bones. That's why I believe the story is in there. Can I prove it? No. Does it agree with Scripture? It certainly does. If we count the Enoch literature that the, that the apostles were quoting as Scripture. Well, Absolutely. But the reason I ask you that is I was on one of your programs going a few years back with Eli, and in the recent one, you made a passing comment that more than likely there could have been hominin-type two-legged creatures at the time, by the time Adam saw something that, you know, hey, this just ain't going to work. Now, I, I can't think of it being a giraffe or a cow. I'm thinking more than likely Adam may have saw... Well, but, well, if you understand that what, what the Enoch literature says about the sin of the fallen angels, it could be a giraffe or a cow. Yes, it could be. But because the fallen angels mixed their seed, they were said to mix their seed with horses, donkeys, and, and all kinds of, uh, of um, animals, and, and basically corrupt the creation of God. And that's what I believe all those chimera myths early in our history had grown out of. However, can we prove that there were no hominid beasts in the creation of God? No, we cannot prove that. However, we must understand that all hominid beasts today, other than a Danic man, are certainly corrupt. And, and if all hominids were not corrupt, then, that, then the promise to destroy all the other hominid races, which we find so often in Scripture, would probably not exist because God would have created some of them and they would be good. But Christ tells us they're all bad. So, so I, I mean, that, that, that some people dismiss that as a theological argument, but in the end, there's only the children of Israel that are left, and many scriptures are clear on that. Many scriptures, not only um, the book of Revelation, but many others as well. Exactly. 
The other reason, though, to dovetail what you're talking about, I took my wife, and this isn't to be made, it may come across funny, but my wife and I went to the San Francisco Zoo. And, you know, for exercise, we walked around the zoo a couple of times, probably two and a half, three miles of walking. We looked at the giraffes and the camels and the rhinoceros, and then we came across the uh, ape, orangutan, you know, different types of these monkey family. And I'm getting looking at them very close. And, I mean, I was probably 12, 15 feet away from this one great big orangutan. And the thing is, Bill, I noticed regarding stuff I'd read in, in, read in material, anthropological material, you could swear when you look at these black orangutan type, and this thing stood oh, oh, taller than me. He was probably 6'2", six, 6'3", six, this orangutan. It had really black kinky hair. It had the the same nose profile, the same facial profile. And the more I analyze it, the more the stuff I read, plus my background with Jude and Enoch and through the years of studying your material and Clifton's material in the last fifteen you know, the last fifteen years of CI, I'm starting to see a lot of resemblance. Now, well, well, I've seen a lot of them in prison and on the streets of New Jersey when I was a kid growing up in New York City. Uh, I, I'm I'm only being somewhat facetious. I'm not being entirely facetious. I'm at least part serious. Well, and I think there's a reason why, because there were some comments on the one of the sports stations I come across on the dial. I wasn't looking for it. It popped up, and they were talking about uh, how athletic these professional sports players are and one of the commentators said it's in their genes you know and I was just sitting there and these people are even admitting something they're not even aware of well, well absolutely they're, they're definitely there's no doubt in my mind that they're not some some corruption of God's creation rather than God's creation and, and that's partly because the um Partly because the Apostle Jude tells us that the, the fallen angels uh, are bound in chains of darkness, but, but also partly because of their very nature, that they, they do nothing um, constructive, they do, do nothing creative, that they reflect the, the beauty of God's creation in no way whatsoever. All they do is destroy and consume. So, so that that to me that that they're the canker worms of of the book of Joel, who were sent here by God because of our sin to help to destroy and consume, because that's what they do. That's the role they fulfill. They fulfill it perfectly. It's in perfect accordance with the word of God. Exactly, and that's why I'm thinking by the time Moses wrote and recorded Exodus and Leviticus. I'm sure that they were at that time wandering around in their known world where they saw them, and they, Moses said, hey, don't lie with them, don't entice with them or anything. Well, well Diodorus Siculus wrote about them in, in, in his third book of his Library of History and said that they were absolute savages. The, the, the black-skinned people of Ethiopia with, with woolly hair, and, and, and he contrasted them to more civilized people in that region, but, but he said they were absolute savages. They had no redeeming qualities whatsoever. So, so I, I mean that, that they've been a problem ever since that they first come in contact with, with Adam Kind. 
There's no doubt. I have another caller, Michael. I mean, you're yep. welcome to stay, but but I'd like to 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 um, address the other caller. Absolutely. I just wanted to call and say hello and run those two questions by you on those verses. I just want to say hi. Well, well, thank you, Michael. And and um, I'll uh, I mean, there's there's always tiny little details and different angles of of, of certain scriptures. I think I hit on all the major points in pragmatic Genesis and, and all the points I wanted to make and and all the points that. Identity Christians should understand concerning um, the, the first chapters of Genesis. It, if I missed anything, anybody's welcome to email me. Uh, I may not respond to your email personally. I get hundreds of emails every week. I can't deal with it. Uh, I just can't respond to them because I would do nothing else. But but I read every email I get, and um, it, if I don't respond to them personally, and sometimes I do respond to emails a year later, and, and there are probably people here that could attest to that. Uh, I will try to respond on my programs, and I've done that very often, but where statements I make in my podcasts are actually responses to emails I've received as soon as I could get a pertinent topic and, and, and um, what, where I could respond to certain questions. So, I got yes. that. They'll listen. God bless you. I'm going to hang out and listen on the chat, okay? Okay, Michael. Praise right. Yahweh. Thank you. You bet. You too. Bye. Guest 39. Thank you. You're on. Hello. Guest Hello? 39. Hello. Yeah, I'm not sure if this is 39 or not. I'm on a telephone, so I don't have a screen to look at. Oh, okay. Well, well, if you could hear me, I'm talking to you. And, and okay. I can All right. Well, I'm... I'm Tom from Idaho, and I've followed you for some time, Bill, and actually emailed you on a couple of occasions. Um, I don't know what the theme has been so far, because I could just call in, but um, there's an issue that keeps coming up in our group that we speak, and it's the issue of all Israel being saved. And what of those who are unrepentant or who give aid and comfort to the enemies of Yahweh? Uh, well, well, first, well, we have all given aid and comfort at one time in our lives to the enemies of, of our God, and, and I pray that everybody, at least within our voice range, can, can re, ha, has already repented from that. But, but that, that's, you know, Paul explains in Romans chapter 5 that through one man, sin came into the world, and because through one man, sin came into the world, that all of that race are subjected to death, right? And, right. and to, to reverse the sin of that one man through one man, Yahshua Christ or Jesus Christ, all men are, are, are granted mercy. And, and, and that's pretty clear. It, it's, this is not man's battle. Man has a, 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 a grave lesson to learn from this battle, but this is Yahweh's battle, and, and, and it, it began before Adam was created, if we believe the, the, um, the, the Apostle Jude and, and the words of Christ. So, so this is Yahweh's battle, and vengeance is his, but all of his children are, are experiencing, and, and this is my belief, right, what life is in rebellion to Yahweh, but all of his children are, are eternal and are going to come out of this. And... and that's the story of Scripture. That that that's the overreaching story of the Bible, which is clear from passages such as Romans chapter five, 
um, the, the patience of the saints verses in, in the Revelation. It's something that I plan on writing about someday, but, but I just can't write about everything I'd like to write about this year, right? It, it's, um, you know, that, that all Israel will be saved. I, I mean, Isaiah chapter 45 is very explicit. All the seed of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. That, that doesn't leave any room for excluding any one of us. And if we start excluding sinners, I, I mean, all of us know people, know men and, and women, that they're such bastards that there's no way they could deserve salvation. And that's the story of, of Scripture. In the end, when we all meet our Father and, and Creator, do you think any of us will be unrepentant at that point? Uh, I mean, that, that's it's hard to imagine, and I have always interpreted it very, very, very much the same as you're re- reflecting here, Bill. But there have been some occasions where I've listened to the various shows, especially back when I think you were doing some of the shows with Eli James and. It seemed like, and although this may be my mistake, that there were occasions where when somebody was, for example, like the Judeans who cheered the Jews on when they crucified Christ, or those who will throw their lot in and support homosexuality or other things, there have been comments made occasionally where it appeared that their end was going to be the same as those who were doing these things. And I know that the Edomites, of course, were looking at the lake of fire, so I just wondered what the distinction was there, if anything. And I guess maybe that was just my wrong interpretation of what you guys were saying. Well, well, Eli and I have always been on, at odds on this topic, right? Oh. right? He's never, he, he's always had the, 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 um, the, the Catholic position that, 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 um, sheep would be thrown into the fire and that some goats could be saved. Mm-hmm. And, and when it came to a head and it, it really couldn't, um, carry on any longer because he would he would say because I didn't change my position but I would say because he didn't change his position yet you know eventually we had to split over it yeah okay. I, I did a whole um series of Christogenia open forum podcasts and 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 there's a lot of things that Eli said that I'll admit for, for the sake of keeping peace on on certain programs that that I let slide by Right, I I didn't jump on him or, or address him every time he said something that I didn't necessarily agree with. A lot of things, for, for the sake of keeping peace, did I, I did let slide by, and, and and I'll admit that that that's going to happen whenever we work with with other people that that are of differing positions, and and we want to save our um our contentions for the matters that are most important and and for opportune motive. Opportune moments, and and that's, uh, I mean, you, you might consider that compromise. And, and in a way, if if we're brethren working together, and, and the message is getting across, it, there's going to be some compromise. You're not necessarily compromising the scripture, but but you're you're choosing and picking your fights prudently. That there's um a whole series of open forum programs that I did in the months subsequent to my split with Eli James where I clarified, purposely clarified a lot of my positions on on topics where Eli and I had differed. And the all Israel will be saved issue, I think I handled that on three of those programs. Well, you did talk about it. I was just confused a little. By the way, I have listened to all of your 
open forums, your European forums. I've listened to all your shows with Eli and without. So I've been through, I don't know, six to 700 of your podcasts. But my my point here is that I was just a bit confused because of what appeared to be these stories about Lake of Fire and the same treatment of some who had maybe joined in with. And yes, you did clarify. I just couldn't recall at this point just how clear it was as far as uh, my memory was. It just... It came up today because of a discussion that was going on in my family and my children who I'm trying to become interested in this. And we've been using your recent Pragmatic Genesis series as a way to get them started with, you know, some of the fundamental threshold issues like two seed lines. So that's Well that's well I'm humble. That that's all I can say. I'm humble. I appreciate that. Well, I I have a question, too, about Adamic man as opposed to Israel, since they, of course, were not part of at least the later covenant. How do you view them with respect to uh, being saved? Well, well, the the first promise of salvation is in Genesis 3.23, unless the man um, reach out and grasp the tree of life and, and live forever. And even though the the and, and the, the as I pointed out in my recent act series, the gospel to Adamic men who are not Israelites is found in, in Paul's address to the Athenians, sort of primarily in, in Acts chapter seventeen, and also his his words to the Lycaonians who are not Israelites, who who are actually um, seem to be a mixture of other Semites and and and. Um, Jephethites in, in Acts chapter 14, and, and even though they're brief, from them and, and from Paul's words there, we can glean um, the, the gospel to, to Adamic non-Israelites and, and see that Paul's words agree with the spirit of, of the promises to, to Noah and, and the other covenants that God Yahweh had with Adamic man, and, and starting with Genesis um, 322, I believe it is. Now, Clifton had done a paper, Nine Covenants with the Danic Man. The words of Christ tell us that the Assyrian will be in a resurrection, that the Assyrian, that the men of Nineveh, that they're the children of Asher, this Shemitic people, they're Adamic Shemites who simply are not from, from, from the chosen line, right? And, right. and uh, the Queen of the South, who, who's an Adamic well, well she, it's it's arguable whether the Queen of Sheba is is from um, Shem or from Ham because there are two people with the same name ha, ha, enlisted in Genesis chapter ten. But but regardless, she is still a woman who's an Adamic woman who who's not an Israelite, mm-hmm. and, and she'll be the resurrection. And and that that that's if you're a child of Yahweh God, regardless of what branch of the race you come from, you have his eternal spirit, and, and that spirit's eternal. Well, that all makes sense. It's just that when you, you come across something like all Israel will be saved, of course, that isn't necessarily exclusive in the context you and I are discussing now. Right. But I, when you not, see something, when it sounds exclusive, I just wanted to clarify that. So. Well, well yeah, you know, because from the time of Jacob and Esau, as Paul also said that God let all the other nations go their way to see if they would seek him, and, and of course they all found paganism and, and went down the path to hell 
and eventually became overrun with aliens and, and, and mixed by the other races, and, and they're the Arabs and, and, and a lot of the people of Eurasia and, and Northern Africa and other places today. Well, well um, and, and the people that, that, that have those names today are all bastards, and they're all destined for the lake of fire, according to the Word of God. Well, well the, um, the original white people who, 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 who those nations consisted of, that they had Adamic spirits. Christ went after the um, that the apostle Peter tells us that Christ went into the prison, and meaning Hades or, or Sheol, and preached the gospel to the souls who, who were held captive there from before the flood. Well, well, those people weren't Israelites. That's right. That's right. And 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 those people destroyed in the flood that they were sinners um, above all other sinners. You know, the people in, in Greenwich Village today have nothing on those people. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Well, I was really just thinking in terms of it's some, is, is it anything that could be lost, though? And I know that Israel, it could not, based on my interpretation well, well, of what I've heard. But I don't you know. You know, the, the entire Adamic race cannot be lost but because the, the contention is not with Adam man, but, but with the, the, those who corrupted Yahweh's creation before Adam was placed here. Mm-hmm. And Adam was placed here to, to show all of the enemies of God that, that the sovereign will of Yahweh will prevail, and, and his children have to learn that lesson. And, and the lessons that we learn from this existence, what we're going to, uh, we hope to take them with us into eternity so, so that we do not rebel from our Creator again. Uh, boy, and am I learning those lessons, trying to raise three, four, four kids in a world where this cultural attack on them, dying by a thousand cuts every day, and, you know, I only have enough energy and resources to take four or five cuts in response, and it's it's a real struggle. We have to debrief every single day. I understand. I, I really do. I, I, I um, yeah, You know, if you could teach your children the, the, the message that we have, they'll have a better start in life than, than, than most white people's children. And, and the best you could do is, is hope that those lessons stay with them. Well, I'm doing the best I can up here, and I truly do appreciate your efforts. And we really do use your materials as best we can. I have to say, I've been sorely disappointed after moving up here to the northern panhandle in Idaho. And the reason is that we came up here with a fairly long tradition of Christian-Israelite identity from Southern California. But when we got up here, it turned out that most of them were from the Dave Barley crowd, or they had gone different directions, and it just was a disheartening thing. So you were more of like a voice in the wilderness for us, I have to say. Well, well, what you just said is a perfect example of the scripture of, of Christ saying that he not gathering with me scatters. But because once you start introducing aliens into the congregation of God, you're, you're going to scatter it. And, and that's why they've all gone different ways. Yeah, yeah. And, and some of them fall away because of that and reject Christian identity and others know better and, and, and leave because they're offended by the introduction of aliens. But, but that's a perfect example of the truth of that scripture. Dave Barley is a scatterer. Yeah. And, you know, there's a big push up here that's been going on for the last 15, 20 years to take on this apparently white area that, uh, unfortunately, most of them are, as you say, very, very Jewish between the ears for the most part. And unfortunately, 
they're only a generation or two away at being almost a fait accompli in this area. You know, people think of Idaho or Utah or someplace like that as some kind of a holdout. But, you know, I'm looking at where the heck do you go next, and there really isn't any place. So it's well, been a... Well, yeah, you know, I believe that the last 30 years it was probably targeted as a special project of the enemy because it, it was some kind of a holdout. And you know what? The FBI did a report for 2010, their 10-year report. They selected three cities in the United States for their, I guess these were you know, issues that they had to face for law enforcement involving cultural issues. Los Angeles, Philadelphia, I believe was the other, major cities, and then little Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in the northern panhandle of Idaho. Now, how in the heck do you, do you, do you explain that except by what you just said? <laughs> That's it. That's and I'll it. tell you, they have at Little Moscow down here, where the University of Idaho's campus is, they have 200 LGBT and other organizations down there in a 24-7 frontal assault against these white kids up here. The local uh, college up here, Northern Idaho College, has just this year, just this year, converted from a virtually lily-white campus to something where the local task force on human rights up here has brought in 200 new families, all of them of different persuasions, and now you walk on that campus and it looks like you're in a different city. They made a big play this year uh, with the big powers that be with their money and with their various influences with their public affairs committees to, to make this a specific project of theirs. And then they put up their Human Rights Institute in response to what good old Butler did up there at Hayden Lake. The response of that was for the pendulum to swing the other way. So although Butler didn't really get into the hearts and minds of a majority, you might say, it opened the door for them with Morris Dees to come up here and basically to make sure he inviggled his ways into the hearts and minds of all the kids in the school with all their mandatory schooling and indoctrination that's going on. And I know because I have kids all the way from high school down into grade school. And I've read every one of their syllabi through the uh, elementary, primary, their secondary education, plus the agenda of the Human Rights Institute up here, which is an abomination. Uh, it, it's absolutely incredible what they teach. And all the muckety-mucks up here are all on board because I guess it's uh, the old filthy lucre is a hard thing to resist. But Absolutely, especially in a place with no industry like Idaho. Yeah, it's it's been a real eye-opener. We've been up here for four years, and it was uh, a big disappointment after many years of, I think, romanticizing what this might be. So it's nothing like. Uh, I was curious about something else, too. Uh, I was listening last night, and you were talking about these, uh, and it was one of your other callers that mentioned perhaps establishing standards for Christian identity ministers. I have a real problem with that the way that you do, and that it just creates another another genre of Nicolaitans as far as I'm concerned. And every time we get into things like that in any genre, including Common Core and education or anywhere, I think we become monolithic. And I've been listening very closely to your, uh, your studies in Paul and how he handled his treatment of the various assemblies throughout his time. And uh, I think we've lost that. I think there's almost a knee-jerk reaction where we all are looking for a, a superstar or a leader or a national standard or something. And every time we do that, we screw up. So I was just kind of echoing some of what I thought I was hearing from you last night. Well, well right. The only leader, the, the next great leader we have is Joshua Christ. Yeah. And, and that's the way it's supposed to be. And, and that's what we're told. I, I don't want to be a great leader. I, I, I'm just doing what I think is my obligation 
because I believe and, and, and that, that that I understand the scripture and and mm-hmm. to me I, I have to do what I'm doing but I'm not trying to be a great leader or, or a great political leader I, I just am fulfilling the obligation that I believe that I have because of what I've learned and, and he, he who is given much perhaps much can be much is expected of him so so i believe that if if i have this this knowledge and and i think i do from through many years of study that i'd better be sharing it and um that that's i'm not trying to make anything of myself but but it's the um that the israel identity message that that i believe is the only truth of, of scripture and 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 the only true way to look at our god our history and our origins and our destiny that that I I'm bound to share this. It, it's yeah. that that's just the way it is. Well, and, and well. every time I've tried to do anything else, I failed miserably. So I I think I better be doing what I can do. Well, that, all of all that's I, true, Bill. I'm sure, but also you're just doing what comes natural anyway. <laughs> sure of it. I have a another question if I if I can. I the children and the newcomers to this faith, the approach that you take with them. I know that your ministry has been primarily a deeper, more scholarly study and it needs to be. But have you any examples of people who have been successful with approaches at dealing with children of different ages or is there some place you well, can well, direct somebody? Yeah, you know, right right now I know that that maybe you could get in touch with um Mark Downey at, at kinsmanredeemer.com okay. because I know that Lawrence Blanchard and and I don't know that that, that I'm gonna, I'm going to agree with everything that Lawrence Blanchard has to say but but he I did read one chapter he did um, honor me by asking me to proofread one of his chapters and and that's re- really all I did but it's all I have time for and and I did take the time to do that for him because he asked and and that's not a problem I do my best to do more if he asked but but um he he I'm not sure I'm going to agree with every word in it but but the chapter and his approach that he was taking I, I did like very much the the little bit I read of his book he he's working on a set of books for, for beginner level identity Christians that, that I think has a lot of promise and, and maybe you can talk to Mark Downey because Mark has actually, he's actually on the line and I'm going to unmute him because maybe he could talk about it better than I can. And, and I'm glad he's here. Um, that this has, I, I think some promise in, 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 um, reaching young people. And, and I don't know about children, but people yet, you know, beginner level and, 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 Older children, perhaps. Well, I'm dealing Uh, with young adults. I'm dealing with high school students. They're smart. But, you know, I'll come off listening to one of yours. I'll read your Germanic origins. I'll read anything about the Phoenicians. I'll come in, and I'm all ready to go. And I get into it. But, boy, their eyes will glaze over. (laughs) I understand I'm not the guy for beginners, and I never will be. Um, You know, people start with me. They're going to have a rough go of it. It's um, the people that are that, that are more read and and that have read their Bibles and and um, ha- have a knowledge of Christian identity. They're the people that 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 I'm trying to gear myself towards. Yeah, of course. It's yeah, um, clear. 
I believe Mark is on the line now, and, and, and perhaps he could tell us something about Lawrence Blanchard's work. I, I hope that, that I'm not jumping the gun and mentioning it. Yeah, I'm on, on the line here, Bill. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes. Um, well, we got a question about material for beginners. I want to take another call real soon, too. Saskatchewan is on the phone. I don't want to miss them. But, but um, we, we had a question about uh, about material for beginners and, and possibly right. for older children. And, uh, it's a long-term long project that will probably take a couple of years. He's already come out with three volumes, and it is geared for the beginner. Uh, it, it's... Uh, kind of like an overhaul of the AIT, the old AIT, but addresses more up-to-date issues that, that we have to deal with and explaining to people. It's a very easy step-by-step, -step, uh, by spoonful, to uh, lead a person to the truth. So mm -hmm. if you want to just email me, pastor at fuse.net, I'd be happy to uh, give you a link to his uh, okay. website. Okay, I will do that. I appreciate that. That will be very much help. I'm struggling with it right now, and although I've been around this for years, I usually go for a, a deeper level of it than uh, than what I think I need to be doing with the children. So that would be very good. Well, well Tim, I really appreciate the call, and, and I'm not rushing you off. You can stay on if you like, but I'd like to take this call from Saskatchewan. The hour is getting a little late. No, no, ahead, fine. I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hello, Mark. Thanks for joining me. I'm sorry I couldn't get to you sooner. Well, I was eating dinner earlier, so but I was still listening. But go ahead and uh, take that call from Saskatchewan if you want. Okay, Saskatchewan. Hello. Hey, Bill, it's Hunter. Hello, Hunter. Yeah, Bill, it's Hunter. Good, good. Uh, you can hear me clearly? Yes. Okay, yeah. Uh, Bill, I just wondering, is it, I'm going to ask, this might be kind of a, a sort of a two-part question. Um, is it, and I probably know your answer ahead of time, but maybe you can kind of clarify it uh, or expound on this. Can, uh, is it possible to sin against non-whites? Um, and, I, and I guess the part two of that is, is I mean, obviously we're to, we're to keep that, the spirit of the law or the law against uh, uh, in regards to our white brethren or to all whites um, and but but as far as how to keep the law uh, in regards to non-whites obviously they were never under the law like like Israel was and uh, I mean they're in and amongst us uh, in our society so you know we're going to be crossing paths with them all the time so is there anything you can say about that in, in regards to them? I mean, well, sometimes... Yeah, yeah. A few things might... I could say about it. Uh, a few things I could say about it. The, 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 um, the, the Bible admonishes us to have one law for the stranger in our land and one law for ourselves, but I wouldn't count non-whites as strangers in our land. Uh, I would only count them as beasts. Is it possible to sin against them? What well would you kick a dog? Okay, so so you have to consider the consequences that you're going to receive from kicking the dog, and, and that's how I would treat my relationships with non-whites. Is it possible to sin with non-whites? Well, well, Moses killed an Egyptian, and it wasn't necessarily a, a righteous murder, but 
that because it wasn't by God's law, the Egyptian did nothing worthy of capital punishment, but Moses killed the Egyptian, and it was not held accountable to him by God. It never was. And in fact, Moses is killing the Egyptian in defense of his brother. For that reason was Moses chosen to fulfill the role that he later chose, um, attempting to get his to defend his brethren from outsiders, his Hebrew brethren, attempting to get his brethren to, to love one another, and, and even when they refused, and they asked him, who made you lord or master over us? But, but for that, Moses was chosen to do great things by the hand of God. And um, is it possible to sin against non-whites? I would say, no, it's not. It's very possible to sin with them, like through fornication and things like that. Is it possible to sin against them? No, because they're beasts. But common right. sense tell you that you probably shouldn't kick that dog because he's going to turn and bite you. I mean, that's common sense. I would treat him like that dog. Right. So, right. so that, that's my personal opinion. And, and I believe that that, that, that is... Um, it, it may not be perhaps substantiated explicitly by Scripture, but, but it's within the spirit of Scripture because they're animals. Right. They're, they're dogs. They don't belong here. But, but that doesn't necessarily mean you, that you want to go around kicking them, especially when you, your own people and your own government are, are going to be adverse to your doing that. So, so if I had to... Uh... Uh, I don't know, say if I had to, in order to protect uh, a family member or even myself, and I had to employ a lie against a, a non-white uh, in order to... It's fine to lie to non-whites. There, there's no problem lying to non-whites. There's plenty of examples uh, of people in Scripture lying to, to um, non-Israelites just to get rid of them or, or, or to get the, the Israelite purpose accomplished. I mean, Rahab was told to lie to the men that came and looked for the Israelites, and she did it. There was a man in Scripture who was told to take a knife, put it under his cloak, and go tell the guard at the palace of the king of Moab that he had a gift for him. And he was told that by God to do that. And the man did it, and the gift was really the knife in his belly, but that that was a lie to an alien to accomplish the will of God. Now, are the things in your heart, are the things in your heart, are your purposes for the good of your brethren, or are they for the purposes of your own gain? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Are, the motive the it was for... are you going to do things out of a motivation of personal greed? You probably shouldn't do anything for that motivation. You shouldn't even kick exactly. the dog at motivation, right? Exactly. So what it's, you're doing things, why you're doing something plays a large role in whether or not you should do it. Even it's if you're the motive of one's own heart. I guess right. the way to say it, it's the motive of it's the motive of one's own heart, right? You know, if if you're attempting to do good by that. Absolutely. Uh, even, yeah. So okay, yeah, no, that clarifies a lot. I just wanted to kind of throw that out there and and um, I'm glad you expounded on it the way you did. Oh, I I, I pray. I only okay. call it as I see it. I, I don't know, Mark might have something to, to add to that. 
I think you pretty well nailed it, Bill. That was um, a good synopsis. Thank you. Okay. Well, and, and congratulations, Bill, on the, your five years. Thanks, well, well, and thanks I, for just being there. You know. I just, I, I just thought it would be a good way to mark um, my five years on internet radio. Is is uh, I hadn't taken phone calls in in a long, long time. Uh, I kind of miss uh, in some way miss the old open forum programs, but in other ways, I understand that they ran their course at the time, and, and they were getting stale, and I wasn't getting the participation that, 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 I, um, that, that I had hoped for, so it, when the same do this again? Every week, it, 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 it gets old. When you, what, I, I mean, not, not that I have anything against those people. They, they were all, you know, for the most part, good brethren, but, but um, it, 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 it Every week becomes a replay of the week before, and it gets old. Are, are you uh, going to do this again in the future? Well, well, uh, I'm going to consider it at, at least to do something periodic. But, but, um, what we'll see. Maybe every other month we'll, we'll have a um a, a night of of call-ins or something like that. Is it going to be where you might it'll be general, or where you would pick a topic sort of thing, and we stay within that topic? Well, well, you know, yeah, you know, so many people. I mean, tonight I had much better participation than last night, and, and people had various topics. So, so it's it's um, it, it might be a good idea to do once in a while, so that people could uh, either get the questions they have answered, if I can d- indeed answer them, or, or um, or get things off their chest. Right, right. There was something one. Um, specific question I had, and it was something in Scripture, and I wish I could find it again, but I, I know you talked in the past about Uriah, who's, you know, he's in the King James, he's, um, the epitaph that's put beside his name is, as he's described as Uriah the Hittite, and, I, and you've explained that out exactly why that was, it was sort of like an idiom, right? And there's another case where another um, somebody else is described as a Hittite, and it's I think it's in the book of Samuel. I wish I could find it. It was I don't know if he was the high priest at the time, and he's described as oh, I wish I could remember the. Uh, I'm name. sorry, Uriah. Um, yeah, Uriah was a, one of David's mighty warriors, right? Yeah, yeah, Uriah the Hittite, and and I've heard you explain that out in in well, podcasts way back. That that word Hittite is, is a tribal name, but it's also an adjective. It means fearsome. Yeah, and that's, yeah, exactly. You're right, a fearsome. Yeah, and you and that, and I that's yeah, that's right. And I remember you explained it as such, and it, it was kind of used as an idiom of the time, right? Well, well it, it's an adjective. If the King James translators had understood it as an adjective, they'd have translated Uriah the Fearsome. And then the entire story falls into context, and there's no conflict with it. It could be a Hittite, or it could be an adjective, meaning fearsome. Take your pick. Okay. If he's really a Hittite, we have a problem you know, with conflict in Scripture. If he's fearsome, then that adjective aptly describes his role as a mighty warrior and, and everything falls into place and there's no conflict in the scripture. So, so if the translator has a choice 
the translator should choose the choice that 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 has no conflict. And I described that 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 um, aspect of translation last week when I discussed Act twenty two nine. So, okay. so uh, yeah, you know, so I mean, it, it's else a is- choice. Either either translation is valid, but I'm going to choose the translation that 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 clarifies the scripture and 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 where there's no conflict. It's Uriah. So that it's, I'm sorry. Yeah, no. If, so if that adjective adjective is used again in scripture to describe another Israelite or, or um, Adamic man, then I would take it as being used the same way. Like, well, well, well I'm not sure. It depends on context, and and I don't know if the adjective is used again. I, I don't know that. Well, that's what I was trying to get to. There was there's another place in scripture that's, and I wish. I could find it. It's somewhere either in Second Samuel or um, somewhere in Samuel, First or Second well, Samuel. Well, that's wonderful, but I, haven't, I, I don't think I've taken that, that avenue of investigation. I may have and, and forgot, but I don't think so. I did a program on, on, on the women of the genealogy of Christ and, and discussed Uriah the Hittite at, at length, and, and that program was probably four years ago. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'll just leave it at that because I can't find the. I wish I could find the exact verse in scripture. It's somewhere in there, and it, it, it's just regarding. Uh, um, I believe it was one of the high priests, and I don't know if it was in connection to the time okay. that Saul was still alive. And somebody's described as uh, something the Hittite is a high priest or whatever. And uh, just, I wish I could find it. And I was wondering if it was the same thing because I couldn't figure out why they're calling him a Hittite. And, and and then I remember your program about Uriah the Hittite, and I was think, just thinking if it was sort of the same idea, right? Okay. Well, well, I'm well, really not. Okay. No, that's good. Um. Anyway, thanks for uh, clarifying you know, that uh, uh, that question there I had in regards to uh, whether or not it was possible to sin against non non whites. So appreciate that. Okay, thank you. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you. Bye. Mark, do you have anything you'd like to say? Yeah. Uh-uh. Um, I know you're probably running out of time, but I had a call in and um, uh, address the issue, uh, the question uh, that the gentleman asked about our relationship due to my stance on the devil's existence. (laughs) And uh, this kind of ties into the uh, brother from California who who brought up uh, what I brought up last night about uh, establishing uh, identity standards and criteria, which wasn't me. It was uh, our friend in England, uh, Nico. And um, I remember last night your, your immediate reaction was denominationalism. And we moved quickly on to something else, but I, I wanted to address that tonight in that, um, you know, I don't think he or I was implying a long list of uh, standards per se, but rather something really simple that we can all uh, unify on. And uh, I think that's probably why uh, you and I hit it off so well when we uh, first met on Stormfront is that, you um, um, we we agreed on so many things, 
and, and the important things. Uh, unfortunately, those who are causing divisions are majoring on the minors and minoring on the majors. And uh, when they don't like pointed questions, as I put forth, uh, regarding a, a pet doctrine having to do with their uh, mystified devils and Satans, their Catholic, Judeo, and Hollywood-type uh, creatures, well, then the only thing they can ever do is resort to the politics of personal destruction. And you didn't do that. And that's why our relationship is brothers in Christ. And we can have CI standards by acting like brothers. And people ask me, how can you and Pastor Don Elmore get along so well? Well, it's because we have two very simple premises that are our standard for unity. That is the basic teaching of Christian identity of who white people are. And you have to counter that with the other premise of who the Jews are. And we get along famously. But you see, there's, there's this uh, scallywag element in Christian identity and all they want to do. And because you and I have become friends, they're now attacking you. And I mentioned lying and not having a love for the truth last night. And, and that's the type of characters that uh, we're dealing with now. They're the scatterers. Uh, they're the ones that are causing divisions. And, um, you know, I, I say thank God for uh, uh, gentlemen, gentlemen who are still Christ-like in their manners. And, uh, and that's what we should strive for. And, and I'll, I'm just kind of, you know, trying to encapsulate it in as few words as I can. But uh, uh, unity shouldn't be mocked. You know, and and it it will happen when uh, we can be more Christ-like towards each other. So that's basically what I wanted to say. Well, well, you know, I, I've challenged a few people the last year, especially since um, our relationship has developed, and you you you've been on my forum and and things like that. And um, even though we we've been what well, we've had a friendship for five years. It, it it wasn't always known to all people because it's it, it was private and emails on Stormfront whatever and, and in the background per se. Well, well, um, I've challenged people to to answer me. Who is who is closer to to me as a Christian in 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 their beliefs? Mark Downey, who understands the race issue entirely. And who understands that what is white can never be diluted, or, or Eli James, who who claims to be two seed line and talks a lot of the talk, and on the other hand, what would admit niggers and squat monsters into the kingdom of heaven? Yeah, and I think uh, uh, you elaborated further in your article the uh, party politics, um, and, and that that uh, says it all right there. Um, well, well right, because something that's a label that doesn't mean that they're necessarily agreeing with you in substance. We have to look at the substance and not at the labels. Well, I think so, we, can, we both agree uh, to prove all things. And the minute we stop uh, proving something and treat it as if it's the truth, and uh, if somebody doesn't agree with you, 
uh, you lie about them, then we're seeing the wolves out there that are devouring the flock, and we don't need that. Absolutely. No doubt. But we definitely don't need that. We have to be gatherers and not scatterers. And to be gatherers, we, we only... We, we are limited to gathering in Christ, and Christ only seeks to gather sheep. That, that's really pretty simple concept. Uh, I want to thank you, Mark. Thank you for your participation the last two days. And, and um, everybody else, Matthew, I, I, I know you're out there somewhere, Matthew, out, and, and um, you're a great help to me all the time, and, and not only tonight, and, and thank you. Praise Yahweh. I will be here next week, Yahweh willing, with um, whatever chapter of Acts I'm up to. I believe it's Acts chapter 23, and I will be here next Saturday with um, Sword Brethren. John Wade Moore, I wish you to call in again. I really do. Um, I will be here next Saturday with Pragmatic Genesis, part 10. Praise Yahweh, and good night. Many blessings, Bill.